God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this Reformation Sunday through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Who was here for the 100th anniversary celebration of this church in 1978? September 24th, 1978. A few of you. Yeah, good. guess they had it a month early because the actual anniversary is October 24th. At any rate... I was 13 years old on that day, and uh, I didn't have a, have a care about the church. I was probably at my friend's house or spending the weekend at our cabin in beautiful Landers, California. But you were here celebrating the 100th anniversary of this congregation. I listened to the tapes last week at the 1030 service here on this day, September 24th, 1978. Someone was playing the banjo singing a folky hymn. It had to have been Clyde List, right? The guest preacher was Luther Westerkamp, the guy there on the right, son of Frederick Westerkamp, who was pastor here from 1919 until 1936. The organ sounded different. It sounded more like an actual pipe organ in a cathedral. And Franny, you played just as good as you do now. It was a Hammond organ, huh? Well, look, y'all sounded great. Listen. That's some of you singing in there. Y'all sounded great. And then there was the uh, big celebration out in the grove at... 2 or 2 or 2.30 p.m. It was a beautiful sunny day that day. And on the tapes you can hear a, uh, a Stellar's Jay squawking out there the whole time. And it must have been a great day for flying too because there's small planes flying overhead one after the other. On top of that, the commercial air traffic coming out of Portland can be heard and I'd forgotten how loud those old uh, 727s and DC-9s were. Because you can hear them things screaming by, too, during the service. And then there's uh, kids crying, which is neat, because it could be one of you, or it could be one of your kids crying. You know, you can tell it was a great day, and all the guest pastors and speakers that you had, I mean, the president of the Missouri Synod, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, preached in the afternoon in the Grove, and the district president said a few words. Afterwards, along with a senator from Oregon, And the Sherwood mayor. And what's interesting is they all said the same thing. Sherwood is a growing community. And this congregation should look forward to the challenges it will face in reaching the people of this flourishing community. Something along those lines. Not much has changed in 41 years, huh? Sherwood is still a growing community. And we still face challenges as we wonder why more people don't come to this city on a hill, even after inviting them. You know, after all, how will they hear about Jesus and what he plans to do when he returns to make all things new again? When you consider all the anniversary celebrations this congregation has enjoyed, the 50th, the 80th, the 100th, the 110th, the 125th, You have to remember, it's more than just celebrating the longevity of an organization. 
It's more than just fond memories of days gone by and generations of historic families connected to this place. St. Paul Lutheran Church exists because there's sin in the world. The Sherwood Police Department is also an organization that exists because of sin. So is Providence Medical. They deal mainly with the law of God and that there's punishment for evil doing and decay of the body as a result of the fall of creation. The only good news associated with the two is that maybe you'll get released from jail someday. Maybe not, though, if your crime is severe enough. And at Providence, the good news might be your prognosis is good or you're healed, but we all know that's only temporary, right? Here at St. Paul, consider over the last 141 years the sin experienced by all the people here. The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the addictions, the self-destructiveness, the abuse, the unfaithfulness, the neglect, along with the diseases, the sicknesses, and death. Consider the sin we experience today in our own lives and what Future generations will struggle with here. A jail is a place for sinners. A hospital is a place for sinners. So is this place. But sinners aren't put in jail here. Instead, we come and the jail, of, the jail cell of sin is opened. The office of the keys is that special authority with, in which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners. Twenty called ministers here have absolved the sins of thousands just as valid and certain as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with us himself because the word of God works. It does what it says. I forgive you and your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ means just that. It's true, and it's now. And as for the sickness and death part of the law, well, the prognosis here is definitely a good one. Life forever, without pain, without suffering, without sadness and tears, no more decay, no more artificial body parts and falling apart. This body will be raised up, made new, and will never fail again. I know, you're looking at all the pastors there going, okay, I remember that one, I remember that one. (laughs) You see, that's why these anniversaries are so special. Not that it's just been so many years and so many pastors, but it's been so many people who have been saved and have eternal life and so many blessings, and it still goes on. You and I are part of it. Well, let's go back to the 100th anniversary for a minute. In 1978. Those of you who were here remember it was a big deal. Yeah. Those of you who weren't here, let me tell you, it was a big deal. You can hear it in these recordings. Pastor Preuss, the synod president at the time, says, he says, uh, in a, he he gave like a little uh, presentation down in the basement, I think. Anyways, he says that. uh, He gets invited to six or seven hundred year church anniversaries a year in the Midwest. 
Ours, however, was the first one to happen in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in the Northwest. That was very significant to him and the Synod and to all the people. We'll be the first to have a 150th anniversary in nine years. St. Peter's Lutheran in Cornelius is the runner-up. The first Lutheran churches in Idaho and Washington didn't spring up until the 1890s. For Oregon, though, our church is one of the few in this area that wasn't started by Edward During. That's him up there on the top left, or a second from the left there. He was pastor here for only a short time because he was a missionary pastor. His calling was to travel throughout the Willamette Valley in search of Germans and Lutherans and trying to get them together to start congregations. And he was successful in a lot of areas and not so successful in others. In fact, I think I've mentioned to you before, he says in his journals, the soil here is very, very hard. He was pastor here, but he didn't start this church. This church started with the people. German Lutherans in this area, mostly farmers, got together on their own and began worshiping together and having Bible studies and meetings and eventually called a pastor and built a church and later a school and then called a teacher. Now, I want to share with you a paragraph from God Opens Doors. You know, this is an excellent book of history and anecdotes about our district from 1899 to 1999. Uh, this gives us a snapshot of what St. Paul was about during that first century crowned with blessings. Though the Missouri Synod centered its theological system around the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ, the church emphasized the importance of all doctrines of Scripture as formulated in the Lutheran confessions. It advanced the Christian day school as the most effective means for instruction in Christian doctrine and saw, and saw to it also as a deterrent to the encroachments from the secular, secularistic society that surrounded it. It counseled obedience to civil authority, but cautioned its pastors and congregations against becoming involved in politics. Its worship, though liturgical and formal, offered extensive opportunity for participation, particularly through song. It vigorously emphasized the retention of the German language and steadfastly opposed all infiltration of unionism, rationalism, and secularism. Wow, that's, uh, that sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? How do we stand up to all that now? Well... First, we're still a Christian denomination that emphasizes that we're saved by faith and not our good works. We still hold to our confessions, though I think fewer people actually read them and learn them and know what they're about. Our Christian day schools struggle, especially here in the Northwest. So Christian truths don't get taught and learned as diligently and thoroughly as they once were which allows more of the secular encroachment into the mind and heart of the people. We still acknowledge the civil authority, and we're typically not a rebellious people when it comes to government. 
But we become a lot more involved in politics these days, individually and also as a larger church body. Today, we promote getting more involved in government to make more of a difference in the decision-making of our laws and such, rather than just leaving it to other people who may or may not have the same values when it comes to how we should live. The LCMS even has an office now in Washington, D.C., with a small staff of people to keep a close eye on what's going on and report it back to us. It even makes public statements. And we're still a church of people who love to sing. Even for those of us who think we're not good at singing and just kind of sing very quietly or not at all, we still love the hymns and the songs of the church. It carries the narrative of our lives and what Christ has done for us through the ages from generation to generation. We no longer fight to retain the German language. I mean, that all kind of came to an end around World War I. This church was a little late in adopting the English in the worship, but it eventually happened in the 1920s, I think. And the Missouri Synod as a whole has gotten exactly what it set out to get as a missionary church going all the way back to the 1850s. It's brought people from all walks of life, all languages, all cultures, all backgrounds to know the Savior Jesus Christ and make disciples, not Germans. I'm an example, and so are many of you. And we still oppose to some degree, although it's weaker in my opinion than it was originally, but we oppose unionism in that while it's a pleasant thought that all churches should unite and work side by side together in furthering the kingdom of God and all of that, the sad truth is we don't all believe the same things about Jesus. We don't all, we don't all believe the same thing about who he is, about how he saved us and what he plans to do. So we hesitate giving the general public a false impression that we all believe the same thing because we don't. We still oppose rationalism. That's Rationalism is still out there in the hearts and minds of many. Rationalism is where one reduces the miracles and the supernatural events in the Bible to mere everyday happenings with logical explanations and that kind of thing. I guess today it's less opposing it, and it's more encouraging to believe what the Bible says the way God says it. After all, it's the Holy Spirit who creates faith and guides one in the knowledge of Christ. It's just that you won't hear the pastor teach in Bible study or in his sermons that the parting of the Red Sea was actually a water spout or a tsunami or something like that. We encourage you to just take it as it is. And secularism, my gosh, that's a hard word to say, secularism. How hard is it today to resist the temptation of the world and not drink fully everything it has to offer? I mean, you'd have to be a monk, a real monk, who doesn't watch any TV or Internet, only reads the Bible and Christian literature. I mean, we're so far embedded in our secular culture today than 141 years ago, I doubt the original folks here would, have, would hardly even recognize the world today. At any rate, because we're still here, attests to the reality that we're not in charge of the church. Christ is the Lord of the church. 
And he has willed thus far, as of October 26th, 2019, that we will remain here fighting the good fight until we finish the race he has planted us here to keep, to keep the faith because, after all, he has prepared for us the crown of righteousness. He stands by us and strengthens us together in this place as his people so that through his message of love and forgiveness, all people, to, to all people, that might be fully proclaimed and all the people in our land might hear it. We were rescued from the lion's mouth of death and destruction. The Lord has rescued us from every evil deed and will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. So on this anniversary and every day, every minute of our life, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.